Awesome. Thank you so much for that introduction, Araceli. So just like Araceli said, today we will be playing around with the CLC uh, main uh, workbench. We'll be doing some singer sequencing alignments. We'll be doing some cloning, uh, primer design, and some in silico experimentation. So of course, uh, first things first, we have our legal disclaimer. Hygen products shown here are intended for molecular biology applications. These products are not intended for the diagnosis, prevention, or treatment of a disease. Now we love to keep these webinars as interactive um, as possible. So I am gonna ask a couple favors from you guys. So the first one is going to be to fill out some polls that will be popping up sporadically throughout the meeting. It's a great way for us to kind of keep track of things and collect feedback from you guys um, to make sure that we are doing our, our best uh, job possible for these webinars. Secondly, if you have any questions that arise during the presentation, please utilize the Q&A box. We have some folks uh, hanging out behind the scenes today that will be taking questions uh, from those uh, from that Q&A box and answering them uh, live. I will also take a couple breaks throughout the webinar today and grab questions from that Q&A box to answer live as well. And just like Araceli said, we will email, whoops, we will email you a copy of uh, the presentation for today. So, uh, you know, please be on the lookout for that, as well as you're able to also uh, see the recording from today's presentation by visiting that same registration link that you had clicked to sign up today. And then uh, lastly, at the bottom of the screen, you'll notice that there might there is a uh, raise hand button. So this is a place where I will be asking you guys questions throughout the webinar just to get some quick feedback. So uh, we'll be utilizing that raise hands button. And that of course is right next door to our Q&A uh, box here. So let's just make sure that everything is working appropriately for today. So if you guys could go ahead and click on that raise hand button, that would be uh, really helpful. Excellent, looks like a couple of you. Yeah, awesome. A few of you have definitely found that raise hand button. So thank you so much uh, for double checking that with me. So here's a quick agenda for what we'll be going over today. Of course, like I said, we'll be playing in the CLC main workbench here. So I'll give you guys a brief introduction as to what the main workbench is and um, what it isn't. And then we'll quickly jump right into the software itself where we will be uh, performing some alignment and then a phylogenetic tree from that alignment to have a look at uh, the lineage of some of uh, the samples that we'll be importing here. And then we will quickly move on to Sanger sequencing analysis. So I'll show you guys how to import, uh, perform a standalone trimming, as well as a, an assembly. And then we'll go through and I'll show you how to resolve any conflicts so we end up with a really uh, high quality consensus sequence. And then our last uh, outing for today is going to be a cloning experiment. So I'll show you guys how to create primers and set up for restriction-based uh, cloning, as well as perform an in silico cloning experiment uh, itself. So with that, here's some of the different visualizations that we will be going through today. So like I said, first thing on deck is going to be creating a uh, an alignment of multiple different sequences here. You can see 
we have listed out here a whole bunch of different sequences and we are aligning all of them to try to figure out where the differences between all of these sequences arise. And then of course, we're gonna take that alignment and we are gonna use that to generate a phylogenetic tree from that alignment here. And then once we've created this tree, we'll actually be able to overlay in some metadata information to have a look at not only the lineage of all of these different uh, bugs or sequences from these bugs that we have collected in our samples, but maybe have a look at uh, identifying metadata characteristics. Like for instance, these uh, seem to be definitely sorting by what type of water they were collected in. So I'll show you guys how to do that. And again, color and manipulate that phylogenetic tree based on some metadata here. And then next we'll launch into some Sanger sequencing uh, analysis. So I'll show you how to import uh, some of your traces from your Sanger sequencing experiments. We'll create an assembly from those uh, traces, line them to a reference genome. And then of course, we'll go through and have a look at some of the conflicts that might be arising between our traces and our uh, reference genome uh, shown here at the top. So I'll show you how to resolve these conflicts and, and how to uh, make sure that your uh, consensus sequence is of the utmost quality um, that it could possibly be. And then lastly, we'll be generating some visualizations uh, using the uh, molecular biology tools. So here we're going to go ahead and use a or create a construct using a vector and an insert sequence. And while we're doing that, we'll be designing some primers. We will be uh, trying to figure out what types of restriction uh, enzyme sites we want to use and tack on to the end of our primers. And then finally, we'll perform an in silico uh, cloning experiment to make sure that everything is checking out before we even uh, spend time at the bench performing these experiments. So I am going to launch a quick poll right now just to check in with you guys to make sure that these are indeed some of the visualizations that you would uh, like to see uh, generated today. And if there are some visualizations that I didn't cover, uh, feel free to add those into the Q&A box or into the chat box. And if we have some time at the end or perhaps during our Q&A breaks, we can cover those as well. So awesome, looks like you guys are helping us out by participating in those polls. So thank you so, so much. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes of today's presentation. So first things first, what is the Kyogen CLC main workbench? Well, what it is is a really user-friendly desktop genomics application. So this is going to allow us to do all sorts of different secondary analysis and numerous uh, molecular biology techniques without having to have any sort of programming or command line um, experience or even you know, any sort of bioinformatics exper uh, experience. Now this is widely used across a whole bunch of different facets of biology, whether that's in academia, out in, uh, out in uh, government, in industry, and uh, there's lots of different uh, tools that are in the CLC main workbench that you guys can use. 
And I've created these little tiles on the side of this slide here, just to give you an idea of all the different things that we can do here. So of course, today we're gonna to be performing some cloning and primer design, looking at some Sanger sequencing, but maybe you have some microarrays that you'd like to do some gene expression analysis on. There are tools that are included in the CLC main workbench. Now, one thing to mention is you might notice that there is something uh, missing from this list, per, uh, perhaps. So one thing that the CLC main workbench does not have tools for is going to be any NGS-based uh, experiments here. So if you are generating NGS data alongside your Sanger sequencing data, you might want to consider upgrading to a CLC genomics workbench. And that will unleash all sorts of other tools for your NGS uh, based data, as you know, as well as things like uh, single cell sequencing and so on and so forth. All right, so now that you have an overview of what the CLC main workbench is, let's get right into it. So first things first, we are going to create an alignment from uh, some sequences and generate a phylogenetic tree to have a look at the lineage of some of those sequences uh, from the bugs that we have collected from those samples here. So what I'm gonna do is I'm actually gonna pop right over into the CLC main workbench uh, interface and get things started. So let's just take a brief tour around the application itself just to figure out uh, where everything is and uh, show you guys some of the most popular uh, features here. So of course, at the top of the screen, we're gonna have a whole bunch of quick uh, reference buttons here. So import, if you're importing any sort of sequence information, sequence data, we'll be using that one um, a lot today. If you do have some sort of tools that you want to just quickly launch, we have this little cute uh, rocket ship icon that you can go and launch some of your favorite uh, tools. And then moving down, we have our navigation area. So this is where everything that you will be creating in the CLC environment will live. So you can think of this as like a Windows uh, Explorer folders, just to keep things uh, organized so you can quickly come back and uh, sort through all of the different data that you've generated here. Now below that, we have our toolbox. So this toolbox is going to contain a wealth of information. So the first one that I do want to uh, show you guys is this processes tab. When we click on that tab, you'll see here we have no processes uh, shown. But what this is gonna show us is as we are running different tools, it'll show us how long things are running for, if it's complete, um, so on and so forth. So this is a great tab to know about. And then moving on, we have our toolbox tab. This is where all of the different tools live that we will be using today. They're organized into these handy little folders that we can then expand using these little plus signs to grab the tools themselves. And then finally, if you have any favorite tools, you can go ahead and create a favorite uh, favorites folder here. And that will be a collection of all the things that you guys are using the most um, so you can just have a quick access to it. Now up in the uh, top uh, right-hand corner, if you're watching this as a recording, it's probably underneath my uh, video. There's gonna be some buttons 
where you can have a look at things like uh, designing workflows. Maybe you have some plugins that you'd like to use for uh, CLC main workbench or even the genomics workbench, so on and so forth. But one thing in particular is going to be this support button right here. So if you ever get stuck or if you need an extra hand in figuring out how to do something or run into a technical issue, please feel free to reach out to our support folks. They are um, always ready and waiting for um, answering questions and they typically get back to you rather quickly. So that's a great uh, thing to know about. As well as that support button, we do also have this little help uh, menu at the top of the screen that in this will also contain a whole wealth of information like online tutorials if you'd like to review maybe PDFs of what we're going through today. Um, another thing that we'll be visiting today is if you wanted to import some uh, data to play around with while you're getting your feet wet with some of these tools, we have this import example data. Um, and then of course we have that contact support uh, functionality here as well. Okay, so now that you guys have an idea of what everything is on the screen, let's get right into it. So first things first, we are going to work on our alignment and construction of our phylogenetic tree. So the first thing that we want to do, of course, is import the sequences that we want to align. So that's gonna start here with this import button. So we're gonna go ahead and give that a click. When we do, you'll notice that we have our standard import and then our import metadata. So for right now, we're just gonna be doing our standard import, which will then go out into a folder that I have uh, saved a bunch of um, FAFSA files into. So here we can navigate to that folder using either the add folders or add files button. In this case, I'm gonna add files, click that button. And it will pop out to a spot in my uh, laptop that I have saved some uh, example data to. And I'm gonna go ahead and choose that .fa uh, example data here. So this is all of our sequences that we wanna create an alignment with. So I'm gonna go ahead and click on open and that will add it into the selected files and folders screen. Once I'm good with that, I'm gonna go ahead and click on next. Uh, one thing that you'll notice is at the bottom here, we have these options. I'm gonna leave it as an automatic import, but if you wanted to force a specific import type, uh, you do have the ability to do that. So once again, we're gonna go ahead and click on that next button. And here we're just gonna simply choose where we want to save it. Remember inside of our navigation area. So we see uh, kind of a carbon copy of what our navigation area looks like. So for this case, let's go ahead and just set up a new folder that I'm gonna call a uh, webinar and click on okay. And I'm gonna save that into our CLC uh, data folder. If you wanted to maybe drop this into a higher level folder, feel free to grab and just drop it. Um, wherever you see fit here. So here we have our folder webinar. And once I am satisfied with that, I'll go ahead and click on finish. And what this is gonna do is it's going to now import those sequences into that webinar folder inside of our CLC main workbench environment. 
You can see how uh, we're coming along with this process by visiting the left-hand uh, bottom corner box here and flipping over to the processes tab. And you'll see here that those sequences imported uh, rather quickly. So we are good to go onto our next steps. So let's go ahead and have a look at our actual imported uh, sequences here. So I'm gonna open up our webinar folder using the uh, little plus sign, and we'll see that we have our data here. So I'm gonna give that a double click. Now you'll see that we have a whole bunch of different sequences. I believe it's about 80 or so that we're gonna want to uh, now bring into an alignment. But you see here's all your base pairs. And of course you can uh, mess around with how this uh, looks by uh, changing some of the settings over here on the right-hand side of the screen. Now the first step that we're gonna do is we're gonna visit our toolbox, give that a click. And inside of our toolbox, you're gonna to notice a little, our collections of different uh, smaller toolboxes, we'll call them. So the first thing that we're gonna to wanna to visit is going to be this alignments and trees uh, toolbox drawer. We'll call it a toolbox drawer. That seems, seems like a good analogy there. So when we open up this drawer of alignments and trees, you'll notice that we have the individual tools themselves. So the first one that we're gonna uh, pick from is going to be this create alignment. So I'm gonna go ahead and just double click on this create alignment. And that will pop out a wizard uh, driven guide that'll show us uh, exactly how to generate this alignment and what we need to grab to generate this alignment. So the first thing that it's gonna ask is where to run this. So I'm just running it on my laptop, but if you guys have maybe a server or a cloud instance, you'd be able to choose to run it on one of those instances. But today I'm just running everything on my Hewlett Packard uh, laptop. Next thing we're gonna do is gonna go and grab those sequences that we just imported. So if you remember, we popped them into this webinar folder. So I'm gonna go ahead and just highlight this phylogeny module example data, click on the little arrow over button, and you'll notice that it'll pop up in the selected elements uh, pane over on the right-hand side. Once we are satisfied with that, we're gonna go ahead and click on that next button. Now here is where we can set some parameters for our alignment. We can uh, look at the gap cost, we can check and uh, maybe go with a more accurate but slower alignment, uh, so on and so forth. So one thing that you might notice as we're going through all of these wizard uh, screens is that there's always gonna be a help button in the corner of the uh, pop-up. So if you're confused as to, you know, hey, what is a gap cost setting? Why do I care about it? And do I wanna change it? You can go ahead and just click on this little help button and that will bring you to our help documentation that is specific for the view that we are uh, clicking into right at this time. And so very, very helpful uh, to give you a lay of the land of all of the different uh, settings that we have available in the main workbench. Now for today, I'm actually just gonna leave everything at default and let it do its thing uh, on the uh, fast list accurate alignment. And we're gonna go ahead and click on that next button. Here we can choose to either just open the result or save it into a folder. That's exactly um, what we're gonna be doing today is saving it. 
you'll notice that one of the other things that you're able to do in the main workbench is create logs. So this is really, really helpful if you have, say, a public health lab or a clinical laboratory where you need to uh, make sure to uh, generate all sorts of documentation behind what you did with all of these samples and what they traveled through. So feel free to collect, uh, select this little checkbox if you wanted to create a log alongside uh, generating your results. So here I'm gonna choose save, click on my next button. And once again, just choose where I wanna save this uh, data into. So here I'm just gonna pop it right into our webinar uh, folder that we've created and click on finish. Remember, you can always organize inside of these folders as well with new folders if that's something that um, you'd like to do. But here I'm just gonna go ahead and click on finish. I'm gonna pop over to our friend, the processes tab to see exactly how long this is taking. Should be pretty quick. You can see we're already well, oh, it's done before I could even finish my sentence here. So that fast alignment took all 80 plus of those sequences and created an alignment really, really quickly. And you can see that that uh, result is popping up in our webinar folder up here. So you can see here's our alignment. So I'm gonna go ahead and give that alignment a double click. What that's gonna do is it's gonna open up a tab of our alignment here that we can now go ahead and have a uh, quick review of. So there's a lot of colors and things going on with this alignment. So one of the things that I definitely recommend is uh, playing around with these settings that are over on the right-hand side of the screen to get things looking uh, the way that you would prefer them uh, looking. So you can have an easier time reviewing all of these different um, alignments. So maybe one of the things that we can change is the spacing. Perhaps you don't want any spacing between all of our nucleotides. So we can select to no spacing. The next thing that perhaps I'd want to do is change the way that these sequences are wrapped. So if I wanted to make sure that all of the sequences stay on one line uh, per sequence, I can go ahead and choose this no wrap if you wanted them to kind of wrap around the screen um, so you don't have to scroll uh, right, you can change that to that auto wrap or the fixed wrap. Another thing that can be pretty helpful is uh, to change the matching residues into dots. So for me personally, it just makes things a little less cluttered on my screen so I can really hone in on where things are not lining up. So here you can see all of the matching residues now have been changed over to dots. Another thing, uh, you might find these colors a little bit distracting and hard to see through. We can go ahead and change that color scheme over here. We can actually shut it off altogether by clicking perhaps on some of these uh, checkboxes. So if I shut off the background color, all of the colors go away. If you wanted to just simply color the actual nucleotide uh, identifiers here, feel free to change that to foreground color. So now we're able to go through and review our alignment to see where do we have a lot of different uh, differences happening, um, so on and so forth. And you can scroll using this little toolbar at the bottom all across your sequence to see how things are lining up.
Another thing to mention is going to be our Zoom tools that are located at the bottom of the screen. So for instance, maybe you wanted to see everything um, fit into the screen. We can click on the Zoom to fit middle icon here, and that'll snap all of our sequences to fit onto the screen. Of course, you'll lose your nucleotide level information. So if you wanted to go back to that base level, you can choose to zoom to the base level here. You can also use the magnifying glass to uh, zoom into an area of interest or the slider to um, increase or decrease how deep you're going into the sequence here. Now, if we wanted to say save this alignment to now uh, go ahead and create a, uh, a uh, uh, phylogeny tree, we can go ahead and do so by clicking on um, the save button up at the top here. Another interesting thing that we can do is potentially export the uh, sequences that we have down here. We can export the graphics themselves. So if you want to include a picture of this alignment, feel free to do so. Another thing that you can also do is right click on the tab itself, and you will be um, opened up to a whole bunch of other menus for how to um, save or print or export some of these uh, views here. So now that we have our alignments uh, created, let's go back to the slides and just quickly uh, go over exactly what we did here. So first things first, we went ahead and used that import button to grab our files and import them using this wizard here. So we went and uh, looked for the files, grabbed them uh, and uh, saved them into our CLC main workbench. We then went and chose the create alignment tool, which also opened up another wizard that'll walk us through the uh, setup for the actual alignment itself, which at the end of the day will allow us to save and finish this um, this alignment. Now, from there, what we did is we double clicked on the actual alignment uh, result itself. I showed you guys how to customize the view in the center here, as well as um, different menus to manipulate and change what you have in the center here. So let's go back to the software itself. Now, one thing that some folks might want to, uh, might be interested in is changing what they have in these traces. So perhaps there's um, uh, an issue with say this area right here in the sequence. Maybe we wanted to add something in or maybe move it over a little bit. Um, we do have the ability to do so. So what I just did is I went ahead and using my cursor, I just highlighted the area that I would like to edit. And then from there, I'll just right click on this little purple box. And you can see here that we can add in perhaps an annotation for a troublesome area. Maybe we'd like to delete it or add in some gaps. Or maybe we just want to redo the alignment for this small section itself again. Lots of different options that we can do here. So again, what I did is I highlighted the area that I'd like to uh, manipulate. Once it's this purple blue box, all I did was right click on that purple uh, blue box. And here we have the menu to say, 
add some gaps uh, before or after or manipulate the sequence um, in various different ways here. And then of course, once we've manipulated the sequence, we'll wanna go ahead and save it if we did add in or change those sequences in any way, shape or form. And that we can do using the save button that I showed you guys up in the top left-hand uh, corner of the screen. So now that we are done uh, with this alignment, I'm gonna go ahead and close these tabs just to keep our uh, screen tidy. What we're gonna do now is get into our toolbox and open up that alignment and tree drawer within our toolbox once again to go ahead and create a tree. So here I'm gonna go ahead and double click on this create tree uh, tool. And we're gonna utilize that alignment that we just made together and generate a phylogenetic tree here. So first things first, it's going to ask you, uh, what alignment do you wanna use to construct your tree? So here, let's go ahead and visit that webinar folder that we set up together and uh, choose the um, alignment that we want to pop into our phylogenetic tree. So again, we're gonna use our little arrow over buttons and uh, make sure that it's in our selected elements pane right here. So next thing that we're gonna do is click on our next button. And then from here, we're, uh, we have a bunch of different options that we can choose from uh, depending on how you wanna construct your tree feel free to visit these uh, different options here. And of course, if you have any questions about what any of these are, feel free to click on that help button and it'll give you a lot more uh, detailed information on these options themselves. You can also perform some bootstrapping analysis. So feel free to leave that um, as default or change it to suit your mood. Another thing that you might notice is as I'm hovering over specific things in these options, you will also get a nice little tooltip just quickly explaining what these um, different options are if you don't want to get into that help menu uh, right from the get-go. So once we are satisfied with our options, I'm going to go ahead and click on next. For today, we're going to leave all of this stuff um, just as, um, as default here. So I'm gonna go ahead and click on next. And then of course, we're gonna save it. We're gonna save it using this next button into that folder that we've been creating today, that webinar folder. And I'll go ahead and click on that finish button. This will quickly create a phylogenetic tree and you can see it pop up uh, rather quickly in our webinar folder here. But again, feel free to visit that processes tab if you wanna see what the um, status is for the uh, tree construction. So let's go ahead and visit our webinar folder and double click on our alignment tree uh, data here. So we're gonna go ahead and double click on that and it's gonna open up our tree. Now from here, we have all sorts of ways that we can manipulate what we see in the middle here. So perhaps you are um, super happy with the phylogram uh, layout, feel free to keep it. If you wanted to say change this over into a cladogram, feel free to do so. Or maybe you prefer a circular um, format for these different graphs. Feel free to um, change that to suit your mood here. 
Now, down below, you'll also notice that there are settings for all sorts of nodes and labels and things like that. Um, but you'll also see that we have this metadata section here. So one of the cool things for um, tracing back kind of lineages of the sequences and bugs that we've collected in these samples is maybe we want to see are any of these kind of grouping based on some of these sample attributes here. So let's go ahead and add in some metadata that has um, those sample attributes included here. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna visit down in the bottom left-hand corner of our view screen, we're gonna flip over to this table uh, view. So show table. Once we've clicked on this little uh, icon that looks like an Excel spreadsheet, what we're gonna do is we're gonna import some metadata. So I'm gonna go ahead and click on that import metadata. And what this metadata is, is it's simply an Excel file that has all of our samples listed, as well as different attributes, like what country was this sample collected in? What type of water was this um, sample collected in? So on and so forth. So imagine you can um, tack on as many metadata um, parameters or attributes as you see fit um, to color your uh, dendrogram however um, you'd like here. So what we're gonna do is gonna go out and use this browse button at the top to go find my metadata file. And you'll see here, I have an Excel spreadsheet that again is just a list of the sample identifiers and a whole bunch of different columns of other different metadata points here. So I'm gonna go ahead and click on the okay button right here to grab that specific metadata file. And you'll notice that we have a preview down here. So this again is um, exactly what that Excel spreadsheet looks like. So here is our strain, here's the sequence of the strain, and then here's all of those uh, juicy tidbits for where we collected these samples and maybe how we wanna sort and um, color our dendrogram here. So once we're good with that, we're just gonna go ahead and click on finish. So now we have that metadata attached to our samples. So let's go back to our dendrogram view here. So I'm gonna click on this little dendrogram icon at the bottom and let's visit our metadata section now within our settings on the right hand side. So I'm gonna open up metadata and I'm gonna to wanna to actually change all of these black node dots over to be colored by what type of water these were collected from. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna visit our node color, open that up, and I'm gonna say, hey, I want this colored by water type. And you'll see that we get this key that shows up on the view itself. And now we have all of our different nodes colored based on where they were collected. And we can see that things are definitely seeming to, uh, sort themselves into the different water types here. So remember all of these settings that are over here on the right-hand side will also carry over to anything that you might want to export using these buttons at the top here. So maybe you wanna grab this radial uh, phylogeny tree and pop it into a presentation somewhere. Uh, using these colors by water or um, any of the other various selections that we have on the right here, feel free to uh, do so.
So with that, let's just review some of the uh, steps we went through to create this tree. So back to our slides. So first things first, we went into our toolbox and we grabbed our create tree uh, tool which then launched our little uh, wizard guided step-by-step um, uh, -step, where we went and grabbed that alignment that we created together and put it into the selected elements pane and then chose some different settings if we wanted to, to tweak how we're constructing the tree there. And then we went ahead and clicked on next and then finally save and finish. What we did was then manipulate what we saw in the center uh, view here by looking at our tree layouts and maybe changing them from a phylogram over to um, this radial view or so on and so forth. But mostly we wanted to really add in our metadata so we can take advantage of that metadata and color code these sample uh, dots. And we did so by visiting the view icon at the bottom of the screen there that looks like a little Excel spreadsheet, which then opened up a wizard asking, hey, where is this metadata stored that you want to drag into um, CLC? We had a nice little preview of it. And then we went ahead and clicked on finish. And then from there, we can tweak those metadata parameters in the settings to um, be colored however we see fit, whether it's the shape or the symbol size or the, you know, the color, things like that. So I was, hope I was able to give you guys a really nice uh, overview of how to create a, an alignment in the CLC main workbench, as well as constructing these phylogenetic trees. So at this point, I would love to take a break to see if um, there are any questions that have come up while uh, we've been chatting. Thanks, Kristen. Um, so thank you everyone for submitting your questions to the Q&A box. So we did have a couple of questions that came in. And so the first question is, um, is there a way to see which alignment I choose to create the tree from? Absolutely. So one of the cool bits is um, CLC Main Workbench is really great at keeping track of everything, even if you aren't the greatest at keeping track of everything. So at the bottom of the screen here, you'll notice that we have a few different icons. Um, one of them is going to be the show history, and that is going to show us exactly what we did and who did it and where we got the data from. So here I see originates from this particular alignment. So really great place if you've lost track of what you've been doing to get back to um, your kind of original um, uh, files that you've used. Awesome. So just to let everyone, everyone know, I just uh, launched Speedful just to make sure that we are, how do we feel about a Kristen's uh, speed? So you guys can just fill that out just um, to give her some feedback in that sense. Um, so another question that came up is, what is the difference between the CLC main workbench and the genomics workbench? I know it was mentioned earlier today. Yeah, great question. So um, think of it this way. Uh, main Workbench does not have any tools to handle NGS type data, so next generation sequencing data, whereas CLC Genomics Workbench does. So everything that you see here today in the CLC Main Workbench is also included in the CLC Genomics Workbench. So you can think of uh, the Genomics Workbench as uh, an upgrade from this main workbench to handle uh, your NGS type outputs. Awesome. Um, so another question that came in is, how do you 
or can you um, rename the outputs in the phylogenetic tree? Absolutely. So if you wanted to um, rename your outputs, say, you know, in your uh, CLC data folder files here, these, these, um, the way they name them is just, you know, kind of not very descriptive. All you have to do is just highlight the thing that you want to rename, right click, and then you can see that we have this rename functionality here, as well as a bunch of other cool things. So maybe you wanted to copy this and pop it into another folder. Um, you have the ability to do that as well. Okay. And so we had a question. Um, can we add different sequence files and then do an alignment for all at once? Or do we have to upload one file at a time? Yeah, so where I showed you how to do that create alignment, you can grab as many sequences as you um, want to align here. So for our case, all I did was just grab our one um, collection of sequences, but imagine you can grab numerous sequences that you've uploaded using your import uh, button up at the top here. And just as long as you're dragging them all over into the selected elements, it'll run that alignment across all of those different sequences. Awesome. And so just one last question. Um, can you import uh, ABI file formats if you're starting from a sequencing file? I... So here are all of the different um, file formats that we um, can import here. So let's look and see if the ABI files are included. I don't know, Araceli, do you know if we are able to do that? Um, that's a good question. Or Sean, Sean's on the line. He is the guru in all things CLC. So we can get back to you um, with that uh, answer in the chat box. Oh, Deb, yes. to the rescue, yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> Great. Right. Okay, so uh, we still have a lot to cover, so we'll go ahead and continue, but uh, keep uh, typing in those questions in the Q&A box. We uh, really appreciate that. And thank you for filling out the uh, speed poll. It looks like uh, your speed is uh, just fine. Awesome. Excellent. So before we move on, I just wanted to see um, from you guys, who thinks that utilizing that, um, the ability to color those different uh, nodes by different colors and different pieces of metadata. Is anybody here using that show hands? Are you guys gonna be using that in the future for your experiments? Yeah, me too. I think it's a really um, awesome way to visualize your data and just get a quick kind of overview of, hey, what is similar, what is not, so on and so forth when you're looking for um, lineage type information. Awesome, so let's pop over um, into my slides once again. So we're gonna move on to the next bit of the presentation here. So that is going to be our Stanger sequencing analysis. So here's where I'm gonna show you how to import those sequences. You'll be able to trim them in a standalone trimmer, or you can run uh, your assembly um, using these, these tools where trimming will take place inside of that assembly. So let's go ahead and kick back over into the software itself. I'm gonna close this tab just to clean things up. And the first thing that we're gonna do to um, allow us to 
allow me to show you guys how to do this is I'm going to go and grab some, some uh, example data. And where we can find this is going to be in the help menu at the top of the screen here. And you'll notice the third thing down is the ability to import example data. So this is really handy data um, to get you guys uh, used to using some of these tools here. So what I did is I just went ahead and um, grab that data and you'll see here that it's going to import all of that data into uh, a folder of my choosing. But luckily I have already done this so we don't have to wait for this timer um, to go down here. Uh, so let's go and visit um, that data. So at the very top of the screen here, you'll notice that I have this MWB webinar folder that I set up prior to this. And in that we have our example data. And inside of that example data is a whole bunch of different um, data and sequences that we can play around with to learn the tools uh, better. So first things first, let's go ahead and run a trim tool on some of these sequences that we have imported using this example data. And just a quick reminder, if you're importing your own uh, sequences and not this example uh, data, go ahead and click on that import um, button and use that wizard just like we did for our very first um, part of this webinar today. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna visit our toolbox at the bottom and we're gonna open up the toolbox drawer that is titled uh, Sanger Sequencing Analysis. And you'll see there's a bunch of different tools in this toolbox drawer. So here, first things first, I'm gonna show you how to trim your sequences if you wanna do a standalone trimming here. So go ahead and give that trim sequences a double click. That'll open up a uh, menu or a wizard that'll guide you through the whole rest of this process here. So first things first, we wanna grab our nucleotide sequences that we have either imported or grabbed from our example data. So here you can see in our example data folder, we have this sequencing data folder. I'm gonna open that guy up and see that we have a whole bunch of different reads that we can um, select and import into this trim sequences tool. So I have gone ahead and selected nine different sequences to um, trim. Once I'm good with that, I'm gonna go ahead and click on this next button. And here is where we're able to select some different parameters. For our case, we are going to leave everything at default, but if you wanted to tweak some of these parameters, feel free to uh, do so. You can find more information about these parameters in the help menu. Um, and you also do have the ability to perhaps trim out uh, some vector uh, sequence from your sequences if that's something that you have um, in your data here. But again, we're gonna leave this stuff at default and move on with our next button where we'll then be able to save um, these results and perhaps even create a log that will uh, capture all of this trimming um, information here. So once we are good with that, we're gonna just go ahead and click on that next button and save it into whatever folder um, we see fit. So I'm gonna pop this into our webinar folder and click on that finish button. So what this did is it went ahead and uh, ran a standalone 
um, sequence trimmer. So I'll go ahead and open up those trim sequences that we popped into our webinar folder. You can see here's our nine sequences and it has trimmed uh, alongside the name so we don't get things uh, confused. And what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna go ahead and double click on one of these sequences to show you. Here is the actual trace. And here are the annotations for these spots that the uh, trimming tool decided to trim. So one thing to mention about this trim tool is it doesn't actually remove those sections um, of data from your traces because sometimes even though they might be of poorer quality, they do contain um, information that we don't wanna lose. So you can see here, we've just simply added in this annotation here. So feel free to um, run that standalone trim tool if that's something that you would like to do. Um, moving on, we're actually going to go ahead and um, run the assemble sequences to reference tool um, with all of these example data uh, traces that we imported uh, together. So once again, going into our toolbox, what we're going to do is go ahead and open up the Sanger sequencing analysis drawer. And what we're going to do is we're going to either choose to assemble the sequences. So if you didn't have a reference to assemble to, you could just simply choose assemble uh, sequences. But for today, we're actually going to assemble all of these sequences to a reference. So I'm going to go ahead and double click on assemble sequences to reference, which launches another um, handy little wizard here. We're going to go and grab the sequences that we want to um, assemble here. So in this case, I'm going to go and grab those raw sequences again, so those sequencing reads that have not been trimmed. Pop them into our selected elements window. Once I'm satisfied with that, I'll go ahead and click on that next button. And here is where we can go ahead and choose what our reference is um, that we'd like to use. So I'm going to go ahead and open up this little uh, folder right here to go and search through my um, CLC data folder for my reference sequence. So right here, we can see that we have this ATP8A1 uh, mRNA reference uh, sequence. So we're gonna go ahead and use that as our reference. So I'm gonna select it using those arrows over, pop it into our selected elements. Remember, you can import these ahead of time um, if you'd like to um, prior to running this actual uh, tool. So I'm going to go ahead and click on OK. And then we do have some more options for um, tweaking these reference um, parameters as well. I'm going to leave those as default and click on the Next button. Once again, we have some more uh, alignment options so we can uh, change some of these options if you see fit. Another spot that you might want to um, take notice of is this trimming options. So if you created your uh, trim sequences ahead of time, like we just did with that trim sequences um, standalone tool, you could go ahead and use the existing trim information from that. Or you can leave it unchecked and go ahead with the um, with your own with the trimming um, done inside the assemble, uh, assemble sequences tools here. And again, always feel free to visit that help button if you want more information. So I'll go ahead and click on the next button. 
and uh, tell CLC where I want to keep all of these sequences, all this uh, assembly. So here I'm gonna go ahead and save it into our webinar folder. So I'll navigate to the bottom here, select our webinar folder and just pop it in there. Click on finish. And behind the scenes, we will have our assemble sequences to reference uh, running behind the scenes here. So let's go back down to our webinar folder and open up our uh, assembly that we just created together. So I'm gonna go ahead and double click on the forward one assembly right here, which will open it up in that center pane here. If you guys remember from the last uh, piece of our webinar today, we have all these zoom icons at the bottom that will allow us to zoom in or zoom out on these sequences that we've aligned here. So first things first, let's use this zoom to fit to bring everybody into the screen. So here's all nine of our sequences that we've decided to align here, as well as a bunch of conflicts that seem to have arisen during our assembly. So you can uh, use these buttons to zoom in or zoom out, whatever you see fit. Um, so I'm gonna stay here on our nucleotide level uh, view here. You can scroll uh, left and right to have a look at these sequences as well. So a couple things uh, before we start plugging away with those conflicts is you can change how things are viewed at the center here. You can change the level of compactness that we see for these layouts. So maybe you don't wanna see those traces. Feel free to choose the different levels of compactness. In this case, I'm just gonna leave it as non uh, not compact. Again, with the wrapping, if you wanted to make sure that all sequences stay on the same line, we're going to go ahead and choose that no wrapping. And then, of course, if you wanted to change maybe some of the residue coloring or nucleotide info, things like that, you can absolutely do so as well. So typically, the next thing that we want to do when we've created an assembly is go through and um, review all of the conflicts that might have arisen between our traces that we've imported um, that where they differ from our reference sequence. So in the center of the screen here, you can see that we have this consensus sequence. So this is taking into account all of the trace information that we've imported, matching it to the reference and saying, hey, this matches or hey, it doesn't match. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna actually use this find conflict button to quickly just go through all of the different individual conflicts that arose and resolve each of them. So what we're gonna do is go ahead and click on this find conflict button. What that's gonna do is it's gonna bring us to our very first conflict that we see between our traces and our reference sequence. So you can see in the reference, we're supposed to have a C, this first forward one uh, trace looks like a very clear cut C. And then down here, we have some poor quality sequence. However, in reviewing this, it doesn't actually look to me like there is a uh, gap here. It actually looks like there was um, just a low quality C that was um, actually detected at this point right here. So what we're gonna do is we are going to resolve this conflict by going ahead 
and we are going to highlight either in the uh, in the uh, reference right here. So our conflict, we can highlight that nucleotide. So it turns this like bluish purple. Right click, and we could choose to transfer transfer this C to all of the reads that we have down below. So this will um, resolve this conflict and change our actual trace. And this is exactly why we're getting this warning saying, hey, you're changing your trace. Are you okay with that? You can choose to shut this dialog off if you'd like, or you can just simply click on the okay button. So what this is gonna do, it's gonna go ahead and chain this C over um, to the C. And it looks like I actually highlighted the wrong C here. So let me just highlight the actual conflict C. Again, right click, transfer selection to all reads, click OK, and now you can see that we now have changed into this resolve conflict status. So using this find conflict button, you can see how you can just quickly zip across your sequence, move to the next conflict, resolve it, and move on with your day to ensure that your consensus sequence is matching with your reference sequence here. So once again, we have our C, um, that is showing a conflict here. Looks like this first trace, we, we do also have a C. And then we have some messy sequence quality, but again, um, I believe you know there's also a C at this point as well. We can see that peak behind that uh, messiness. So I'm gonna once again go right click, transfer selection to all reads, go ahead and click on that okay button. Now we have this resolved conflict. So once we've gone through and resolved all of these conflicts, we can go ahead and save these, uh, save this assembly using our save button. We can also choose to export it or export a graphic here as well. So um, just with a show of hands, who here thinks that um, using that find conflict button is really gonna be super helpful in um, cruising through your sequence, resolving all of those conflicts in a very orderly uh, fashion. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really great um, way to kind of review your whole sequence as well. Wonderful. So let's just go back to our slides and review exactly what we've done so far. So we're in the Sanger sequencing analysis portion of our uh, webinar where we went ahead and we imported reads or we grabbed the reads from that um, example information that we have in the help menu. So you guys will be importing your reads. You'll be using um, your standalone trim sequences uh, tool. If you'd like to trim the sequences, you will uh, select those particular sequences. You'd like to trim and set the parameters and save and finish those trimmings. If you would like to uh, just have a look at those sections that got trimmed, you can see here that an annotation is added into your uh, sequence here, and that information is not removed from your data, just in case there's important stuff that lays in that trimming area. And then what we did is we I went ahead and showed you guys how to assemble uh, those Singer sequences to a reference. This is gonna be pretty much one and the same, whether you're doing it uh, without a reference or with a reference, you can choose your tool um, from the toolbox here. 
you're going to go ahead and choose those different Sanger sequences you want to assemble. You're going to choose your reference genome that you're choosing to assemble to. And then, of course, some parameters here, which then we went ahead and we saved and finished. We then cruised through and I showed you how to optimize that view in the center to suit your mood. I showed you how to zoom in and zoom out to different levels of your sequence here. And then we spoke about how to resolve some of the conflicts that you see popping up between all of your, your uh, traces and your consensus sequence, as well as your reference sequence. So here we can use that find conflict button to cruise through your sequence and um, resolve each of those individual uh, conflicts that we might uh, see arising in our sequence data here. And then from there, you can go ahead and save those sequences once they have been all tidied up uh, by having a look at all those conflicts and move on with your experiment. So the next thing that we're gonna be getting into is going to be our cloning portion of the talk here. So during our cloning portion of the talk, what we're gonna do is we are going to uh, use some restriction-based cloning to uh, insert this particular gene of interest into a vector. And how to do this, we're gonna go ahead and we are going to, first of all, create primers to amplify our target region of interest. We're then gonna go and choose uh, what restriction enzymes and sites we wanna use to snip into our vector and put that insert in there. We're gonna tack those uh, restriction enzyme sites onto our primers so we have some way of getting our insert into the vector there. And then we'll go ahead and just run an in silico cloning experiment to make sure that everybody is um, lining up the way that it should. So uh, first thing first, what we're going to do here is we are going to go ahead and create some primers. So I'm going to go back into the software um, itself. And we are going to start making uh, some primers here. So I'm going to close our assembly that we've been working on together. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go up into our uh, MWB webinar folder that I have gone ahead and downloaded the example data for uh, to, and I'm going to open up this primers folder. So here we're going to have our sequence for our um, insert that we would like to stick into our vector of interest. So I'm going to first and foremost double click this um, insert sequence here to have it pop up in the center here. Now remember, we can change how things are looking using all of these different sequence settings on the right. In this case, I'm gonna just make it easy on us and use some of the zoom tools that are at the bottom right-hand corner. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take and snap this sequence to fit the window for the entire insert itself. So I'm gonna go ahead and click the center button and that's gonna take the entire sequence and pop it into this screen all fitting into one spot. So now we can see here is our insert. Um, if you want to shut these flags off, if they're overlaying on top of important information, you absolutely can do so using our sequence settings to maybe shut off some of these uh, restrictions uh, enzyme flags to visualize exactly what all these sequences are uh, behind the scenes. 
But trust me, <laughs> there are um, the actual insert sequences that are in this yellow and the blue, as well as all of the important bits that um, come with this uh, insert itself. Now, what we want to do is we want to um, stick a forward primer right upstream of the insert itself. So we really want to pop this uh, primer into that CMV promoter area right here at the beginning of our uh, gene of interest that we're going to be inserting into the vector here. So what we can do is we can just very simply on this black line that uh, shows up below these uh, annotation arrows, we can highlight the section that we would like to stick this primer in. So for instance, let's go ahead and just select this area on this line um, to pop the forward primer in. So you'll see that the um, selection turns the bluish uh, purple. Once we've selected this area, I'm gonna go ahead and right click. And here, what we can do is um, go ahead and um, tell that tell uh, CLC Workbench exactly where we want to um, pop this primer. So in order to do so, we're going to go ahead and switch over to our primer designer view. So right now, we're just simply looking at the um, sequence itself. So we're going to go over and um, open up this primer designer which once again is gonna look very much like what we were just looking at, except we're gonna have these lines that are generated below. So on this screen, what we're gonna do is we're gonna go ahead and select the area that we would like to stick that forward primer in. We're gonna right click on the blue purple area. And the very first option here is gonna be forward primer region here. What this is going to do is it's going to tell CLC, hey, we want the primer to sit somewhere in this in this area, the forward primer. And then using the zoom tools at the bottom here, I'm going to go to this one to uh, I'm going to go to the selection uh, tool right here and just zip right into our selected region. Where now you can see all of these dots showing up on all of these five lines that are populated on the primer design screen. So first things first, each one of these individual lines uh, is specifying different length primers. So if you want a uh, length of 18, here's your 18 line, 19, 20, so on and so forth. And then each of these individual dots is going to show where the start of a primer could potentially be. Now, depending on the settings that we have uh, listed over here on the right-hand side, these dots will either be red or green. So if we are not meeting the criteria or the parameters that we've set out on the right-hand side, the dots will be red. If we are meeting the criteria, the dots will be green. So you can see here that we have lots of spots that we can start our primer, our forward primer on based on all of these different uh, green dots. So I'm going to go back and zoom back out to see our entire sequence on one screen. So now we have our forward uh, region specified, and that's exactly what this little um, arrow is. Now we can go and select where do we want to pop the uh, reverse primer. Remember, we're doing Sanger sequencing, so you want to keep those um, fragments a little bit more on the reasonable side 
um, of things when performing PCR. So what we're going to do is we're going to choose to um, put the reverse primer right at the beginning of our um, insert of interest here and highlight that area on this black um, sequence right here. Click, um, right click and click on this reverse primer region here. So this will now pop that reverse primer into that area of um, interest. And then once we are satisfied with that, we have now set up our forward region and our reverse region. So we can go ahead and calculate what our different primer pairs would look like. So here we can go ahead and click on that calculate button. We're gonna have a look at our primer parameters that we have chosen. We can go ahead and change some of the parameters for our combinations if we would like to. But at the end of the day, we're just gonna go ahead and click on calculate and leave everything at default. So here, what you can see is after we've clicked on that calculate button, what CLC is doing is it's mapping out different primer pairs that exist in those um, intended regions of interest on our insert and show it to uh, show us a whole list of different uh, primer pairs that we could potentially use down below. So what we can do is perhaps we like this very first primer pair. We can go ahead and click on this primer pair itself and then right click. We can first, we can mark where these primers sit on our sequence by using this mark um, annotation. Or we can just simply save these primers as um, what we want to use for our cloning experiment. So I'm going to go ahead and save these primers into our webinar folder and click OK. And then if we scroll down to our webinar folder, you'll see we have our reverse and our forward um, our primer sitting here ready for some manipulation here. So, so, uh, so far, we created some primers to amplify our insert of interest. So to do so, what we did is we just double clicked our sequence of interest. We uh, popped over into our primer designer view and then just simply told um, CLC where we want the forward and reverse primers to sit. Once we were good with that, what we did is we went ahead and clicked on that calculate button. Maybe we changed some parameters and uh, then hit that calculate button once more. And then from here, what we can do is see all of the different primer pairs that we could potentially use and then save those primer pairs um, into a folder um, for further manipulation here. So we have gone through a ton of information so far. Um, I would love to take another live Q&A break to see, are there any other questions that have popped up in chat and check in with you guys to see how we're doing? Awesome, Kristen. Uh, so before we get into the q and I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, launch today's last poll. Um, just to get an idea, you know, of how uh, useful you found uh, today's webinar to be uh, so far. Uh, so in terms of questions, you guys have questions, please go ahead and utilize the Q&A box as you guys have been doing um, to type in those questions so we can go ahead and um, make sure that we're uh, answering them. So a question that came up is, are there walkthroughs available for some of these tools? 
Yeah, absolutely. So if you um, prefer learning using, say, a PDF, um, we do have lots of resources to do so. So I'm going to go back into the main workbench itself. You can visit this help menu at the very top and then go to our online tutorials. There you'll see a whole ton of PDFs that have um, very detailed walkthroughs on all of these different things that we've been going through today. At the beginning of my slide deck that you guys should have, um, I actually link to all these tutorials as well. And the other handy bit about this is it will point you to where to grab example uh, data from. So you can practice without having to uh, mess around with your own data here as well. Awesome. So I've go ahead and uh, reposted the link to uh, the slides that uh, Krista made in the chat box so you guys can have access to them. Um, so question that came up is, uh, uh, do we also have tools for CRISPR-based cloning? So I believe the CRISPR tools are going to be in the genomics workbench, if that's something that you would um, like to visit. I don't know if uh, Araceli, Dev, or Sean, if you have any more tidbits to add to that. Yeah, so from my experience, um, users that have utilized, that are working with CRISPR, typically uh, utilize the tools that are found with the um, the upgraded version of the main workbench, which is the genomics workbench, um, that one um, is awesome at handling um, NGS data, and it does provide you with some awesome tools um, to take a look at that CRISPR data. Um, mm -hmm. So if you guys are interested, uh, we do have a trial link in the slides uh, that Kristen um, provided, or you can also reach out to us and we'd be happy to, to help you um, as well. And I guess uh, similar to that um, topic, um, do we have tools for 16S and metagenomic data? Yes, so um, all of the tools that I am showing you today in the main workbench also exist over in the genomics workbench. And there are tons of different tools for metagenomics over there, 16S sequencing, all sorts of things. So all of your NGS kind of needs will be fulfilled through that genomics workbench. So again, all the stuff that we're seeing today is on the main workbench. And if you wanted to upgrade to that genomics workbench, all this stuff will also show up in that genomics workbench, as well as the all the NGS stuff and metagenomic awesome. and all of that. <laughs> awesome. So I'm going to go ahead and just, um, for those of you that are interested in taking a look at um, um, are working with microbials and it seems to be a good topic. I'm going to go ahead and type in just like a link um, to um, our uh, page. You guys can get more information on that. And so I'm just going to go ahead and do that um, in the chat box. And so another question that came up is, um, I noticed that you were using some of the tools and it has different parameters. How do I know what some of those parameters mean? Is there a way that I can find that answer? Yeah, absolutely. So for instance, let's go and um, open up, say, and assemble sequences. And you come if you come across any parameters that you are um, confused about, please feel free to utilize this help button. There is a wealth of nitty gritty information about any and all of those parameters that you can um, tweak and mess around with in all of these uh, tools. So again, Help me, uh, that help button is going to be your best friend when it comes to stuff like that. Awesome. Um, 
Okay, so it looks like we don't have any questions. But again, if you guys have any questions, please continue to use the Q&A box to uh, type in those questions and we will um, answer them as they go along. Okay, sounds great. So we do have um, quite a bit of ground to cover today. So we may be um, spilling over from our 2.30 mark. So I apologize for that. But um, if you have to leave, if you have a beating right up against this, feel free to um, leave. And we are recording this session. So you're not going to miss anything if you wanted to review that um, other information that we might uh, spill over into. So let's get right into it to not waste any more time. So the next thing that we're going to be doing, so we've created our primers for our cloning experiment. The next thing that we're going to do is we want to add in some restriction enzyme sites onto the ends of our primer. So we're able to stick that insert into our vector. So first things first, we actually wanna go and figure out what restriction enzymes we wanna even use. So let's go ahead and in our example data folder, I'm gonna go into cloning here. And in the cloning folder, we're gonna see that we have both our insert of interest. I'm gonna double click and open that. And then we have our vector of interest here. So I'm gonna open up that vector of interest as well. Now you'll see that we have these two tabs. If you wanted to split screen to make things a little bit easier to look at, feel free to right click on any of these tabs, click on view, and then you can split horizontally or vertically. So let's split these guys horizontally. So at the top we have our insert and then down the bottom we have our vector. So let's put it into a circular format just to have a little bit better view of the entire sequence itself. So in our vector sequence, I just popped it into our circular view using our tool at the bottom left-hand side of the view uh, pane here. And now we can go ahead and have a look at our multi-cloning multi, uh, site to figure out which of these enzymes would be the best to use for our experiment of uh, interest. In this case, what we're gonna do is we're gonna grab uh, Handy3 and Zoe1 as our restriction enzymes to get our insert into our vector. So now that we have chosen which ones we want to uh, use, I'm gonna go ahead into our primers folder where we've gone ahead and saved our forward and our reverse primers here. Actually, these are the ones I've already manipulated. So let's close these out. And actually let's open up the raw primer sequences that I imported into our webinar folder. So here we have our forward uh, primer sequence here. And what we're gonna do is we are going to add in a restriction enzyme site, as well as a few nucleotides of buffer to ensure that we have um, enzyme efficiency here. So first things first, we're gonna go ahead and actually click on the, uh, double click on the name of the sequence itself, which then in turn highlights this entire primer sequence. Once we've done that, what we're gonna do is we are going to right click into our purple blue area and choose to either insert a restriction site after the selection or we can choose to insert before the selection. So in this case, we're gonna to choose to insert it before the selection. So again, right click, insert before selection. 
we can go and grab our Handy3, which was the first enzyme uh, that showed up at that multi-cloning site where we wanted to stick our um, insert. So I grabbed uh, the sequence or the um, restriction cut site for Handy3. It's going to add that onto uh, the front of our primer here. And then of course we wanna add a couple additional bases just to make um, the enzyme happy, right? We want some kind of runway before those cut sites for enzyme efficiency. So once I'm satisfied with that, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go ahead and click on okay. Now you can see here that we have our Hindi 3 site as well as our little buffer zone for our enzyme. Once we're good with that, you're gonna go ahead and click on the save button and save that primer sequence with the new uh, things that we just added on onto it. Now for the reverse primer, we're gonna do the same exact thing again. So I'm gonna double click on the reverse primer. It's gonna open it up. I'm gonna double click on the name. It's gonna highlight that whole sequence. I'm gonna right click on the whole sequence. And in this case, this primer has actually been designed to match the negative strand. So we are also going to include a restriction site before this primer as well. So I'm gonna insert the site before the selection. And in this time, I'm gonna go ahead and choose our ZO1 restriction enzyme here. And again, add a nice little buffer um, prior to that uh, cut site and click on okay. And now we can see our ZO1 cut site is included before our primer as well as that buffer. So feel free to go ahead and save those primers. Now, the next thing that we can do is um, run an in silico PCR to create the fragment that we are actually going to be physically inserting into our vector of interest. So what we're gonna do is we are gonna go down to our toolbox here. I'm gonna close out all of these tools here. And we are going to go into our, um, go into our um, different toolboxes here. So one toolbox that we're gonna be using is going to be our cloning toolbox. And you can see we have our restriction-based uh, cloning here. But another thing that we're gonna do is we are gonna go ahead and have a look at all of these other different, um, whoops, all of these other different toolboxes to try to go ahead and find the next tool that we are going to be using. So in primers and probes, you'll notice that we have this find binding sites and create fragments. This is our in silico uh, PCR tool. So once again, once we opened up primers and probes, double click on find binding sites and create fragments. And at this point, what we're going to do is we are going to go ahead and choose the mRNA that we would like to um, amplify. So I'm going to go up into our molecular uh, workbench webinar folder and in our uh, in our different um, cloning folders here in our example data folder, you'll see that we have this mRNA sequence. So this is the mRNA sequence that we want to actually amplify. So I'm gonna go ahead and grab that as our selected element and then click on next. Here, now we're gonna go and grab our primers that we're choosing to amplify this mRNA with. So again, we can go and find those primers of interest that we created. In this case, I'm gonna go into our primers folder 
and choose the primers um, that we have created here with those cut sites as well as the buffer for the enzyme here. So here I'm gonna grab those two primers and then just very simply click on okay. You can choose to tweak some of these parameters here, but once again, we are going to uh, set at default and then click on the help button if we have any more questions about that. But here we're just gonna click on next. At this point, we can choose to either open the results that we get from this in silico PCR, save this, partic um, this, particular, um, this particular PCR product, or um, you know, whatever we see fit here. So in this case, what I'm actually gonna do um, is go ahead and just open this result rather than save it, because I don't need to actually save the results itself. All I wanna do is actually save the fragment that is resulting from my um, actual PCR results. So I'm gonna go ahead and choose this open for the result handling, and then click on finish. Here, what that's gonna do is it's gonna open our results into a separate window where we can go ahead and, let me close out of some of these, where we can go ahead and um, choose to save the uh, resulting uh, PCR product that we just generated here. So I'm gonna go ahead and open up the fragment that we've saved prior. And um, you can save that, pro that uh, fragment by using our save icon up here, um, or even just right-clicking on the fragment itself and choosing save fragment. So now that we have gone ahead and created our fragment of interest, we're gonna go ahead and um, simulate a restriction-based enzyme uh, cloning uh, reaction here. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna open up in our toolbox, our restriction uh, enzyme digest cloning tool. So in the toolbox, we're gonna open up the toolbox drawer for cloning that I showed you guys before. So in cloning, we have our restriction-based cloning tool. Kind of give that one a double click and it will guide you through exactly what you need to uh, do to create your uh, construct here. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna grab that fragment that we made as well as the vector of interest that we want to put that fragment into. So I'm going to go ahead and choose both of those uh, sequences here, both the fragment as well as the vector, and click on Next. Here I'm going to go ahead and click on Save and pop that into our webinar folder for safekeeping. We're going to now go into our webinar folder and open up that cloning experiment that we just created together. So I'm gonna close this out to clean the screen up a little bit, open up cloning experiment. Here we have our um, cloning experiment. So the first thing that we want to do is change over from just this very uh, simple sequence viewer over into our uh, cloning er editor here. So it looks like a little uh, vector or a horseshoe, whatever you wanna call it. It's this little icon down the bottom here. So I'm gonna click on that to pop open our cloning editor. And what I'm gonna do is first things first, I want to tell CLC what, um, which one of these two sequences are actually our vector. So right now we are selected on our fragment. So I'm gonna go ahead and choose our vector here by selecting the 
drop down, choose this TO vector. You'll notice that the illustration changes to our vector itself. And then what I'm going to do is just tell CLC, hey, this is actually our vector. So I'm going to say change to current. Now, once I have set this up as our vector, we want to tell CLC what are the uh, restriction enzyme sites, cut sites that we're going to be using for our experiment here. So if you remember, it's going to be Hindi and the one. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to click on the Hindi uh, annotation here. I'm going to hold down on my control key on my keyboard and also click on ZO1. When I do this, both of those uh, restriction enzyme sites will be highlighted. And you'll notice that we have this selection down below. And what CLC is asking is which of these fragments are going to be our target vector? Is it going to be the little bitty uh, piece that exists between those cut sites? Or is it going to be this huge 5,000 base pair section that exists on the outside of those cut sites? So here I'm just going to make sure that I'm selected on the correct uh, vector sequence and uh, go on with my experiment here. So now that we've set up our vector, let's flip back to our target uh, that we'd like to insert into this vector by changing our drop down screen here. So we're going to do the same exact thing that we just did with the vector, but to our insert. So what we're going to do is we're going to go and highlight our Hindi 3 restriction site, hold down on our control button, and choose ZO1. So here you'll notice that we'll get a few different selections asking us, hey, what is the actual insert that you want to uh, put into your vector? Is it the tiny bit of sequence that's before Hindi 3? Is it the section that's between Hindi 3 and ZO1? Or is it that little tiny piece that's after ZO1? So of course our insert is going to be this middle one or this 3000 uh, base pair fragment here. So once we are good to go with that and we've chosen everything that we are interested in choosing, we're gonna actually go ahead and just click on this clone button and this will run our uh, in silico cloning experiment. When we click on this button down below, this is going to open up this uh, menu to allow us to adapt the overhangs. So if you wanted to do a reverse complement if needed, feel free to um, do so using this little button right here. And this will just double check to make sure that your um, vector overhangs are matching up with your insert overhangs. And then once you're good with that, you're just going to go ahead and click on finish. Now you'll have an overview of your construct where you can go ahead and inspect to see, you know, how what this looks like. So here is our insert of interest is ATP 8A1 uh, gene has been inserted into our vector that is uh, 8,460 base pair long. So I just want to thank you guys for sticking with us today. We went through a lot of information. So let's just have a quick recap of exactly what we went through in this last little bit of the webinar. So of course, we wanted to go ahead and try to figure out what uh, restriction enzymes we wanted to use to construct our um, constructive interest here. So we went ahead and um, opened up those sequences and picked out the most uh, appropriate uh, cut sites. 
We then went and added those cut sites to the primers to ensure that we were able to, um, you know, stick our insert into the vector itself. So we double clicked open our, whoops, we double clicked open our primer of interest. We selected it. We chose to insert a uh, restriction site for our uh, enzyme of interest. And then of course we added that additional buffer to make sure that the enzyme was happy when it went to go cut the, uh, cut the insert itself. We then ran an in silico PCR to uh, generate a fragment, the actual fragment itself that we would be sticking into the vector of interest. So we did so by going into primers and probes. We selected the find binding sites and create fragments. We uh, looked for the mRNA uh, sequence for our um, intended se uh, sequence of interest. We amplified it with our primers that we created with our cut sites. And we then saved the uh, fragment into our uh, data here. Once we saved that fragment, it was available to then start off uh, actual in silico cloning uh, reaction here, where we went ahead and chose not only our vector of interest, but that uh, insert that we created together. We chose what our um, we chose our cut sites, and we told the software exactly you know which of these fragments we were creating with our cutting were our vector as well as our um, fragment. And then we went ahead and created our um, construct of interest after going through a few more steps here that are outlined in those, um, in those uh, slides that we shared here. So with that, I thank you guys so, so much for sticking with us. And um, would love to pause to see if there are any other additional questions that came up in the uh, Q&A box. Uh, thank you, Kristen, for uh, this wonderful uh, presentation. Thank you, everyone, for attending today and typing in those questions. Um, so if you guys have any questions, please go ahead and utilize the Q&A box located on your screen to type in uh, those questions so that we can be able to live, answer them live. Um, so one of the questions that came up is, uh, how can I export uh, the image of my construct and you know, ut utilize it for publication? Um, uh, put an option uh, in CLC. Yeah, totally. So first of all, um, if you wanted to change some of the settings to make this pretty for a publication, feel free to uh, do so. But if you wanted to actually export the image itself, what you're going to do is you're going to go ahead and click on this graphics uh, icon here. This graphics icon will let you um, either just do the visible area or the whole area, and you're able to export it in a various amount of um, different resolutions and different file types. Um, to include in your uh, publications or your, um, you know, presentations. Awesome. And so just so that we can help uh, the attendees today, can you highlight again how uh, they can have access to tutorials um, for those of us that are newer to uh, the main workbench and want to play around and explore, um, we don't have the data to do so. Absolutely. So if you um, wanted to explore some of these tools and just test them out, um, what you can do is you can go into this help menu at the top of the screen here. And then in this screen, you'll notice that we have these online tutorials. So for instance, if you wanted to do your own um, cloning experiment, 
go ahead and click on online tutorials. That'll bring up a web page where you can go and grab um, the molecular cloning or the molecular biology tools uh, tutorial that has this cloning in it, as well as links to uh, practice data. So you don't have to wait around to generate data to try out some of these tools themselves. And then of course, if you're under license for CLC, um, please definitely reach out to either support or um, out to your sales rep to maybe set up with uh, some um, field application scientists to have a one-on-one -on -one, um, type session as well. Awesome. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and stay on for a minute or so just to make sure that uh, we capture anyone trying to type in uh, the last minute questions in the Q&A box. Um, but again, thank you everyone for attending today and taking part in the um, polls. It really helps us, uh, you know, sort of get a gauge of how we're doing and how we can, uh, you know, do things better um, in future uh, webinars. So again, if you guys have any questions, please go ahead and use that Q&A um, box located at the bottom of your screen. And so we'll stay on for like um, 30 more seconds or so just to make sure that we don't miss anyone's questions. So it looks like uh, there's no more questions. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and just stop the recording.